Uh, Today is commandment number nine of our series on the Ten Commandments. Now, just to remind you a little bit here is that Jesus summarized all the Ten Commandments and really all the law in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and in Exodus in, in, in two things. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he said, there's a second commandment that is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And we've been talking uh, really for the last eight weeks about those things, that if you love the Lord your God with, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you won't use his name in vain, and you'll keep his Sabbath day holy, and you'll, you won't have idols in your life, and, and you'll worship him and put him first and center in your life. And then we've also talked about how we can love others as ourselves. Because if you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't commit adultery with their spouse. If you love your neighbor as yourself, then you won't steal from them. And we go through all of these different commandments. And then we get to the one today, commandment number nine. Commandment number nine really has a lot to do with some of the other commandments. It has a lot to do because if you are maybe committing adultery, you'll find that you're also breaking commandment number nine. You, you might find that if, if you're going to, to, to steal from somebody, uh, as, as Alan Seibel was talking about last week in, in that message, that you might also be breaking commandment number nine. Let's, let's get into it this morning, Exodus uh, chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, and verse 16 is where we find commandment number nine. And as always, you can follow along in your Bible, or you can download the Oakwood app, and all the sermon notes are right there for you. Just click on sermon notes, it'll have all the scriptures, all the bullet points, and Uh, There's ways for you to take notes there as well. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16 says this. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, a lot of people summarize this uh, verse by saying that that thou shall not lie. Maybe you've heard that before. Now, what's interesting about this in in the wording of it is that it kind of has this judicial feel to it, doesn't it? And it was extremely important uh, to Israel and its legal system to address the conflict between individuals. And seeking justice in that day depended a lot more on the testimony of witnesses than forensic evidence like we have today. I mean, today you'd say, well, we're going to base it on this forensic evidence, where back in that time it was based more on someone's word. And in those legal witnesses in the Old Testament, sometimes... Their word held the sway between life and death. And it was important that they not give a false testimony. False testimony means that you would tell a lie or that you would withhold uh, part of the truth or that you would manipulate the truth in some way. And we need to identify right up front that this is a temptation that we all deal with. And that the temptation to lie always comes from Satan. In fact, in John uh, chapter 8, verse 44, Satan is called the father of lies. And it's sin. I want want to begin this morning, too, by by, uh, reading a passage from Leviticus chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. So if you're in Exodus 20, just flip back a couple of books, Leviticus chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And to see, how does God feel about this sin? Uh, Leviticus chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, it says this. The Lord had said to Moses, okay, so this is the Lord giving commentary on the law and how to apply these, these laws to life. He's saying this to Moses, and he says, and listen to, that, listen to the words that God gives Moses here. It says, if anyone sins... And is unfaithful to the Lord by, and he's going to give us a list here. But notice, notice what he says there. He says, if anyone sins and is unfaithful to who? To the Lord by, by doing what? You would think it's something that they're doing against the Lord. 
But listen to what the list is here. Sin and unfaithful to the Lord by deceiving a neighbor about something entrusted to them or left in their care or about something stolen or if they cheat their neighbor or if they find lost property and and, and lie about it or if they swear falsely about it and any such sin that people may commit. So so in other words, any sin that people commit, they can make up something and and just make a false accusation against them. Verse 4, when they sin in any of these ways and realize their guilt, they must return what they have stolen or taken by extortion or what was entrusted to them or the lost property they found or whatever it was they swore falsely about. And they must make restitution in full and add a fifth of the value to it and give it, to, give it all to the owner on the day they present their guilt offering. And so, in, in other words, uh, you're going to give them 100% back of what you've stolen plus 20%, plus one-fifth, verse 6. And as a penalty, they must bring to the priest, that is to the Lord ultimately, their, their guilt offering, a ram from the flock, one without defect, and of proper value in this Way the priest will make atonement for them before the Lord, and they will be forgiven for any of the things they did that made them guilty. Praise God for verse 7, right? The, the atonement can be made through sacrifice, and that, that atonement means forgiveness of our sins, that we can be forgiven of our sins and walk in newness of life and walk in a new creation. In Christ Jesus. You see, commandment number nine says don't give false testimony. Don't lie. Don't be a person that is dishonest, that is characterized by dishonest words, dishonest behavior. Because our God is a God of truth. He's a God of truth. We see this all throughout the Bible. It's not just a, an Exodus thing or a, a Leviticus thing. It's, a, it's an Old Testament. It's a New Testament. It's all over the place. Proverbs uh, chapter 30, verse 5 says that every word of God is pure. In Daniel 10, it refers to God's word as the scripture of truth. In John 17, 17, Jesus says, your word is truth. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. In Psalm 33, verse 4, it says that the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, says that he is the God of truth. In Psalm 100, verse 5, it says his truth endures to all generations. And in Psalm 15, verses 1 through 4, it says, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless. And who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slurs on his fellow man, and who keeps his oath even when it hurts. The truth matters to God. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, it says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. You see, the main concern of the ninth commandment is a person's honesty and integrity. We are called by God to be different from the world. And we've talked about this over the last several weeks as we've gone through the commandments, these commands for our life to be different. 
Back, back in the context of it, it was God's command to his chosen people, Israel. And he says, Israel, you are not going to be like the Amorites and the Canaanites and, 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 and all the other ites in the land that I'm promising to take you into. In fact, we're going to eliminate these people and you are going to be different. You're going to be a distinctive people. And one of the ways you're going to do that is you're going to be honest. And you're not going to bear false witness against your neighbor, against anyone. Who is your neighbor? It's anyone in your community. We're going to be characterized as a people of truth. And that will set us apart and make us different than the world and make the world step back and look at us and say, wow, look at the work God has done in their lives. Have you ever thought, as you maybe uh, watch court shows on TV, or maybe you've actually been involved in a court case, have you ever thought the practice is strange to swear someone in for testimony? What do they do, right? You come in and they say, hey, liar, why don't you say you're going to tell the truth? Yeah, okay, pray after me, right? You know, you're going to swear them in to give testimony, which gives us the premise of what? There were a bunch of liars. That we would actually have to say that. You swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. What's, why is that necessary? Because <laughs> it's almost assumed that some people might lie. I wonder if anyone's ever lied after they've taken in their oath. We laugh. We laugh why? Because we know the truth. We know the truth. This dishonesty plagues us today. Dishonesty plagued so many stories and situations in the Bible. Listen to some of these statistics. By the age of four, 90% of four-year-olds know how to lie. By the age of four, you say, wow, it starts early. 60% of adults cannot carry on a 10-minute conversation without at least telling one lie. 40% of resumes that come into businesses today have a lie on them. And 90% of the people that are on dating websites have a lie in their profile. I didn't make this stuff up. Nine in 10 middle schoolers admit to regularly cheating on homework and exams. So parents, ask your middle schooler. There was a prominent presidential candidate with, that withdrew from the 1988 presidential race. He was the front runner for the Democratic Party, and everybody thought this might be the one that could kind of dethrone the Reagan and dethrone the Republicans and, and beat George Bush. But he had to pull out of the presidential race because of admitted plagiarism and exaggeration of his academic record and things on his resume. He was then a U.S. senator. Today, you would know him as the President of the United States. Lies. We can all relate. Because we've all done it. Maybe you're sitting here this morning thinking smugly, well, I never lie. You're a liar by even saying that. <laughs> so, go ahead and say it now and you'll just get in with the rest of us. Why do we do it, though? Have you ever thought about the motivation? You know, as we think about these commands, we think about how we live our lives. 
you have to sometimes peel back and think, what lies beneath? I mean, what really is our problem? What are we trying to accomplish? Here are some of the most common reasons for lying. The, the first one would be lying to save face. That means lying to make yourself look better. Maybe you're in a, in a context like you're, you're at work and you make a mistake and you don't really want it to be on you because it makes you look bad to your boss and you might not get a raise this year. And so what are you going to do? You're going to lie and you're going to manipulate the circumstances and manipulate the truth to what? To save face. In fact, sometimes that turns into the second thing. Why a lot of people tell lies is to blame shift. It is to shift the blame to someone else. Well, it wasn't just me. I mean, he was working on this project too, and, and actually that wasn't, that wasn't, I didn't do that. That was actually him. He's the one that made that decision, and, and I just did what he told me to do, you know, and we lie. We shift blame, and we lie to save face. Sometimes we lie to avoid confrontation. We, we just don't want any confrontation. We don't want to have to walk that path, and so we tell lies to Avoid certain circumstances that might make us uncomfortable. Some of us lie just simply to get our way. We know we're not going to get our way. This is the only way that I can actually achieve what I want or to get what I want. And so I have to lie to get my way. Another common reason for lying is to gain something. You know, we could sit here and say, well, the obvious one is if you want to lie to gain something is, is money, right? It's just 100% about the dollar bill and pursuing that. But there are many people who lie to gain something like an advantage, like to one-up someone. Maybe they lie to gain a position or they lie to gain access. But I think we can all relate to all of these, can't we? Because we've all done it. And if we take a step back and say, why did I lie? And maybe the next time you lie, you take a step back and say, why did I just do that? What was your motivation? We find that these are some of the motives that lie beneath. And God's purpose in giving this command was to have a covenant people that would be honest, that would be characterized by integrity, and that would be looked at as different than the rest of mankind. Individuals that are not deceptive, but are always telling the truth. Because God is a God of truth. And, it's, and if it's important to God, it should be important to us. So what do we need to learn and apply from this commandment today, from commandment number nine. Do not give false witness against your, your neighbor. What, what can we learn and, and what do we need to apply to our lives from this? I want to share three things with you this morning. And the first one is this. Truthfulness should be a way of life for God's people. Truthfulness should be a way of life for God's people. This should be the mark of a follower of Christ Jesus, is that you would be characterized by being a person that always tells the truth. Something that I, I say to uh, my staff sometimes and even to the elders sometimes is I want you to tell me the truth even if you think it will hurt me. Because sometimes we don't want to hear the truth because we're afraid of that, right? Oh, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And we sugarcoat, kind of patty cake around, tiptoe around because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. That's a mean Christian. Make someone feel bad for a moment. Oh, my but the fact is, 
Sometimes we have to tell a lie to cover up that lie or that manipulation of truth or that manipulation of the circumstances. And this is not how we're called to live by God. We're called to live different. Truthfulness should be a way of life for God's people. We will find out that truthfulness actually hurts others less than lying, than embellishing, than in misrepresenting. And all of this sometimes with the desire to keep peace or to impress others. Jesus reiterates this truthfulness in the way that we should conduct ourselves. We've been doing that for several weeks, right? We read a ten, one of the Ten Commandments and then Jesus gives a commentary on it, right? Like, thou shalt not murder, and Jesus says, well, you've heard it said that you should not murder, but I'm telling you what, if you hold a grudge against your brother, it's like you've already committed murder in your heart. What did Jesus say a couple weeks ago? You should not commit adultery. You've heard it said you should not commit adultery, but I tell you, if you even look at a woman lustfully, it's like you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus takes these commands, and he turns them back to us, and he turns them back to our hearts. And gives us a look inside of ourselves. It's true for this commandment as well. In Matthew chapter 5, that great sermon that Jesus preached. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Do not swear by anything. Do not swear by heaven, for it is the Lord's throne room. And do not swear by earth, for it is his footstool. But instead... Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Simple, right? I mean, you hear that and you're like, wow, this is, I mean, really, God made it so simple. Jesus is making it so, just when you say yes, mean what you say and just say yes, yes. And, And if you say no, it's no. And there's no manipulation, there's no twisting of the truth, there's no lying involved. Because you're going to operate different than the world. You're going to operate with Integrity. In James chapter 3, you might be familiar with this. If you've ever heard the section of Scripture that talks about the tongue. James chapter 3. And I want you to to think about uh, this section of Scripture through the lens of an honest tongue versus a dishonest tongue. Look what it says, James chapter 3, beginning with verse 4. It starts with an illustration. It says, or take ships for an example. Although they are so large... And are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants it to go. And likewise, the tongue is a small part of your body, but it makes great boasts. Consider that a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole entire body, and it sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. I'd be careful what comes out of our mouth. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, and it is full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come both praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Let me paraphrase that for a moment. Out of the same mouth comes 
cursing and praise. Out of the same mouth comes lying and truth. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Why? Because we are called by God to be a people characterized by honesty, integrity, and truth. Truthfulness should be the way of life for God's people. That might be the greatest challenge for you. If someone was to look at your life from the outside looking in, would they characterize you as a person of truth? The second thing this morning is never lie or misrepresent the truth to try to gain something. That's what we're doing so many times. We're trying to make some kind of gain. Never lie or misrepresent the truth to try to gain something. There's so many examples from life that I can give you. There's so many examples of it, whether it's financial gain or it's a positional gain or it's just wanting to feel superior to someone else. We do all of these things. But let me also share a story from the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 21. You're familiar with it, right? You're like, oh yeah, 1 Kings. (laughs) Don't lie. Don't lie. God knows. In 1 Kings chapter 21, it's the story of King Ahab. And you might remember who his wife was. A lady by the name of Jezebel. Queen Jezebel. Maybe that's familiar to you if you've read the story. King Ahab desired to have this track of land that was near the palace that was owned by a man named Naboth. And Naboth had planted a vineyard there and it produced much fruit. It was awesome to the eye. It was in close proximity to the palace. And King Ahab decided that he wanted it. Now, this vineyard and this track of land had been in Naboth's family for a very long time. It was going to be passed down from generation to generation. But Ahab wanted this piece of land. So Ahab actually went to Naboth and made some offers. He said, hey, I will give you a track of land over here that's bigger and better. And I will even give you some money. If you'll just let me have your vineyard that's right here by the palace, I'll move you over here. And Naboth just kindly said no. He had been in his family for generations. He wanted to stay there. And it didn't matter what King Ahab offered Naboth. Naboth said no. King Ahab goes back to the palace. And it actually says this in the scripture uh, that he pouted. He didn't get his way as king, and he pouted. It says he wouldn't eat, and he was just moping around, you know, like people do sometimes. And, and, and Queen, Queen Jezebel came to him and says, Ahab, you're the king, and you're not acting like a king right now. What is your problem? He said, I really want Naboth's land. He won't give it to me. And Queen Jezebel said, oh, weak king, let me take care of that for you. And the scripture tells us she actually hires false witnesses to give false testimony against Naboth. So what they do is they call uh, this community fast. And they assemble all the people together. And she's got the plan device. I want uh, one false witness on his left and one false witness on his right. And when the whole town gets together and it's kind of quiet, I want you to make an accusation against him that he has cursed both God and his king. Even though Naboth had done nothing of the sort. And that's exactly what happened is they get together and false witness number one says, hey, I have heard that Naboth has cursed both God and King Ahab. And the second false witness comes in. Now, it's significant that there's two because the law said you have to have at least two witnesses to bring that type of accusation. 
And it was a serious accusation because if you cursed God, it says it was to be settled by stoning. And that's what they did. They took Naboth out and they stoned him to death on false accusations and false witnesses and lies. And no one stood up for Naboth. No one gave the truth about the situation for Naboth. After the deed was done, they sent the message to, uh, Queen, Je- or to Queen Jezebel. And Queen Jezebel went to King Ahab and said, Ahab, Naboth is dead. You can go have his land. And that's exactly what Ahab did. And while he was down there surveying the land and putting his kind of finishing touches on the land of Naboth, there was this prophet that came to address the situation led by God. You may have heard of him, a guy named Elijah. Oh, big guns, right? Elijah comes to King Ahab. And Elijah says, God has told me what you have done. I won't go into all the judgment, but what's interesting about the judgment is he says, you will surely die. You now have a death sentence on you because you have taken Naboth's life because you've been so dishonest. And the dogs will lick up your blood. And that Jezebel, that put all this little, little scheme together, she's going to actually be eaten by dogs. And this will happen. And if you read on in 1 Kings toward the end of the book, you find out it does. No one stood up for Naboth, but you know what? God saw it. God sees everything. And every lie that comes out of your mouth, and I would even say every lying thought that comes into your mind, God knows. And he knows your heart's intention might be, but through this I could gain something. Never lie or misrepresent the truth to try to gain anything. Third thing this morning, God will bless the life where truth is lived out. God will bless the life where truth is lived out. In so many different ways. You could not count the blessings of truthfulness in your life. I mean, some of them are obvious, right? There's so many blessings from not being in trouble. Maybe you're that person that that, uh, you look at this commandment and if you keep it, you're like, I have freedom. (laughs) I have freedom like I've never had before. You know why? Because I was always wondering when that lie I told would catch up with me. These lies have some kind of pattern of coming to light somehow, right? Yeah, you may say, well, I think I got away with that one for years. But guess what? God knows. God sees. And you won't have to live this life constantly looking back over your shoulder and wondering when that lie is going to catch up with you. Or wondering when you're going to have to tell a lie to cover what? That lie. Which led to another lie and another lie. And you know how this goes. So many lies and so many coverings. And that's why I say that commandment number nine is often broken with do not commit adultery. Do not Steal. Do not commit murder. Seems like all of those have something to do with not telling the truth. 
so many blessings with keeping this command because of the honor it can bring into your life. The trust that is there. And you don't live this life of posturing anymore, of trying to one-up or manipulate this. You just lay yourself out, truthful, before the Lord God Almighty. Truthfulness should be the way of life for God's people. Never lie or misrepresent the truth to try to gain anything, and God will bless your life when truth is lived out in it. God wants us to be a people of truth. A people who are characterized by honesty and integrity. The people on this earth that you can trust. You can trust that guy. You can trust that lady. Because they walk with the Lord. And I've never heard them lie. I've never heard them manipulate. How powerful a testimony is that? It's rare, isn't it? And yet that's what God has called us to. But I want to remind you this morning... As we end the message, there was another man. There was another man that stand, stood before a crowd of people and had false accusations and false witnesses testify against him, even though he had done nothing wrong. In fact, what's amazing about this man is that he had never actually lied in his whole entire life. He kept the law perfectly and never, ever, ever, ever told a lie. The irony of him being so innocent and standing before a crowd of people and being sentenced, sentenced to death because of false accusations and no reason. Doesn't that kind of inside of you just stir up something? It's like, that isn't right. That isn't right. Something needs to be done here. Truth needs to be, truth needs to be the one that prevails. Truth needs to come forward. And so this is just not right. And our sense of justice wells up within us. And just like no one stood up for Naboth in that moment, no one stood up for Jesus. As he's put before a crowd of people. In fact, the people said of Jesus, crucify him. Crucify him. Put him to death. How dare he blaspheme God? How dare he do all these things? Do you know what Jesus did? He healed people and he helped people. Gosh, what a crime, right? But those people in the crowd, those false witnesses, are characterized by people that lied and people that didn't care about the truth. And I think sometimes we could find ourselves in the crowd. Because of all the lies and all the sinfulness in our own lives. And God allowed Jesus to take on all the sins of the world to offer us forgiveness of sins. To offer us a way to purify us from all unrighteousness. To offer us a way to 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Only available through the blood of Jesus 
Christ. And yet, I think if you saw Jesus, what we remember, especially as we come into this Easter season and we start thinking about these things, you know, we have this outcry for Jesus of the beating that he took, the, the, the Roman 40 lashes. I mean, they gave him over to be beaten within an inch of his life. And then they beat him with rods and clubs and they kicked him and they spit on him. They put a cross on his back. His flesh was just open. And make him carry it all the way to the place of the skull. And then they're going to crucify him. And we hear all that and we're like, wow, that just makes us indignant. It's not fair. It just stirs up something within us. But what was it like for Jesus as an innocent man, as the son of God, to stand before a crowd of people with false accusations against him? When all he had to do was and have the truth. He had all the power to put it all away and to put it all to rest by just speaking the truth. Does the truth matter anymore? It should. Because it matters to God. And it not only killed an innocent man named Naboth over a track of land, it killed the Son of God. Our sin, our lies, our deception. In a moment, we're going to get to respond to this message by spending a few moments communing with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And hopefully if you're here in the, in the room today, you've got those emblems as you came in. If you're with us online, hopefully you've made those preparations to take the bread to take the cup. And Jesus, when he did this with his disciples, he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember my sacrifice. I want you to remember what I've been through. And today, as you take communion, I want you to remember this, that Jesus stood before a crowd of people and was falsely accused and condemned because of lies. And what does God require of us as we follow him? And how blessed would our life be? And how strong a witness and testimony to the world would we have if we are characterized by a people who obeyed commandment number nine? Do not give false testimony against your neighbor, but be characterized as a people of honesty, integrity, and truth. And imagine the glory that God would receive when his people live their lives in such a way. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this time of communion where we can remember your sacrifice and we can remember through these emblems, this bread that represents your body and this cup that represents your blood. Lord, we take these now and we do this to honor you. We, we sit around the Lord's table and, and, and having the Lord's supper. And God, in these moments, we look to you and we remember the sacrifice. But Lord, we also remember the humility that it must have taken to sit there and allow people to make all kinds of comments and false accusations against you, and yet you took on everyone. God, you, you, you sent your son Jesus to die for all of the lies of the past and all of the lies of the present and all the lies that we'll, that we'll commit in the future. And yet you implore us, go and leave your life of sin. Go and live this new creation life that I have for you. Jesus did not die in vain. He died to save us from our sins, to purify us from all unrighteousness. And God, again, we just give you the praise and glory for that. So I pray as we take this communion in these next few moments, Lord, 
purify us for all unrighteousness. Lord, if there's a confession we need to make about a lie that we said last night or a, a, a lie maybe that we said this morning or this past week or, or this lie that we've been living for years or this lie that we're giving at work, whatever it is, God, I pray that we can be redeemed out of that and that we can be a people of truth. But God, just work through these next few moments. We just give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Please just take a few moments here and commune with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.